Happy Easter, everybody. Happy Easter. My name is Pastor Derek, and I am highly caffeinated. <laughs> this is my fourth service, so you can all extend your hands toward me. And for, no, I'm just kidding. It's so good to be with you uh, all on Easter Sunday. Turn to your neighbor say, you look good. <laughs> Turn to your second choice and say, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> We are, uh, we're in a series entitled Jesus Is, and we've been talking about different uh, aspects of not only the personality, character, but also the attributes of Jesus. Last week, we talked about Jesus is my sacrifice, and uh, if you really uh, haven't connected with what Jesus did for you, I highly recommend that you listen to that message, and uh, it's on uh, our website, or you can go to our YouTube channel, or you can just pick up a CD. They're free at Guest Central on your way out the door today. If you're our guest today, we're so glad you're here. In fact, I was thinking about a story. Speaking of guests, um, there was a church, kind of a little, you know, we're, we're, we consider ourselves like a hassle-free church, judgment-free zone, amen? amen. And, uh, but this church was a little different. Uh, the pastor was uh, exit greeting after an Easter service, and different people are going out that he recognized, and all of a sudden he didn't recognize a certain chap, and uh, he pulled him in and he said, hey, hey, come over here, young man, you need to join the army of the Lord. Kind of got all spooky spiritual on him, little Christianese like, you need to join the army of the Lord. And so this guy said, well, I'm in the army of the Lord. Pastor's like, well, wait a minute, uh, if you only come on Easter, how could you be in the army of the Lord? Guy leaned in and said, I'm in the secret service. <laughs> we just want to welcome all the regulars and all the frequent flyers and all the secret service. Everybody's welcome here. This is, again, this is just for everybody. A lot of times people go and buy church and they're like, well, that's just for the church people. I wouldn't want to take up anybody's seat because, you know, that's for the regulars. Well, how many know that we believe at Connect we are the perfect church for imperfect people? And we're a church for all people, all right? And so if, you, if, you know, if you're perfect, then you're going to mess this place up. <laughs> Get on up out of here. <laughs> anyway, so glad you could be here. One of the things that's challenging about this particular uh, service, this particular Sunday, is everybody kind of knows what's coming. You know, it's not like I could talk about, you know, how to raise your teens or, you know, talking about whatever marriage or something like that. We're obviously going to talk about Easter and what happened on Easter. We're obviously going to talk about the resurrection. And so everybody get ready. We're going to talk about the res, okay? I'm going to talk to you from a scripture in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17. You can look in your worship guides. You can follow along on Version. It's this cool Bible app that's free. You can download it. And we put our whole service inside of that so you can do everything all high techy. So if you see people pulling out their iPads and Bibles, they're not being sacrilegious. They're actually following along. Or they're letting, letting you believe they are. <laughs> well, they tweet stuff out. Anyway, um, so Revelation chapter 1 is going to be kind of our theme text this morning. And here's the context. So here's the background. Uh, the Apostle John, he wrote the book of Revelation. He also wrote the book of John. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, if you can't memorize that, it's, you got some problems, but uh, my father used to, you know, it's the four, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, hold the horse while I get on. That's how my father used to tell me to remember that. But John wrote this, this book, Revelation. He received under what we believe as Christians the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the ability to pen what God would say. And when he gets this revelation, here's what happens. He's exiled on the Isle of Patmos as a follower of Jesus post-resurrection. All the disciples are getting 
uh, messed up and, and many martyrs. And, and John was the one who didn't get killed for his faith. He's out there on the island of Patmos, and he's penning this thing. And while he's there, he, uh, Jesus appears to him. Now, it's not the Jesus that he had run with before. Now, I don't want, I don't want to make it sound like Jesus was his, was his homie, so to speak, but it was very intimate, personal, like kind of, you know, uh, three-year internship with Jesus. John was thought he was Jesus' favorite. He always referred to himself as, you know, the one that Jesus loved. And so you can see that all throughout the Bible. But John sees Jesus totally different in this text. In fact, Jesus appears to him in his glorified body post-resurrection. His eyes are fire. His hair is white like wool, all right? And, and he's just like, he's, he's got a sword coming out of his mouth. Okay, so this is like one of those hashtag what? moments. And that's so what we're getting ready to read. Here you go. Ready? Revelation 1:17 it says in G John says, "When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead." That means he passed out. So there's another verse so we know he woke up. Okay? So That's funny. I don't care what you say. But he laid his right hand on me, Jesus saying to me, "Do not be afraid." Now, why is it whenever you read the Bible that an angel appears you know, and they'll say, don't be afraid. If you've ever seen an angel, you weren't like, hey, what's up? No, you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus walks through walls. Do not be afraid. Jesus shows up with fiery eyes and sword coming out of his mouth and hair white as wool. Do not be afraid. That's Bible humor. Just so you guys know, this is God going, ha, ha, <laughs> watch this. That's what this is, okay? He says, I am the first and the last. In other words, I'll be there in Genesis. I was there then, and, I, and I'm also going to be there in the end, which is a cue to us as Christians or pre-Christians to get on his team because he's going to be there in the end. Pause for effect. And he said, I am he who lives and was dead. Everybody say, was dead. I want you to get this. Our God was dead. All the other gods are dead. Okay, we serve a God who is risen, who is indeed risen. And then he says, and behold, if you don't say amen, I'm going to say amen, just so you know, okay. So and he says, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And Jesus says amen about his own thing. I am alive forevermore. Amen. amen. He amens himself. There's a precedent in the Bible for amen in yourself. So if you don't do it, I'm going to do it. So there you go. Then check out this next line. It's so key because when people look at Easter, yes, it's so important to realize that he, that he lived a sinless life. Yes, it's so important to realize that he died and paid for our sins and justice was fulfilled. Yes, it's important to realize that he was resurrected, but he did something, went down into the grave. He, the, the Bible tells us that he took the keys back from the devil, to, from hell and the grave, okay? It says this, it's Jesus said, I have the keys of Hades and of death. In other words, Jesus holds the keys to whatever in your life you're saying, this is a living hell for me right now. This, he holds the keys, whatever has you imprisoned, to whatever is dying or dead in your life. Jesus holds the keys to that. And I want you to hear this this morning. Jesus wants to bring back whatever was dead, whatever is dying in your life. And he, he's saying, Jesus is saying, I just don't want you to talk about the resurrection or something that happened 2,000 years ago. I want you to realize that something that happened 2,000 years ago is relevant to what's going to happen and can happen in your life today because I hold the keys to all of that. Mmm, mm, it's good. It's, it's good. So here's your big idea. Write this down if you're taking notes. Here we go. If you're not taking notes, go ahead. And write this down anyway. <laughs> Only Jesus can resurrect whatever is dead in you. 
Only Jesus can resurrect whatever is dead in you, whatever is dead or dying in your life. So here's the question. This begs the question, what is dead or dying in your life? We're going to grapple with that just for a few minutes. You know, there's different types of death. We focus on physical death sometimes, usually latter times of our life. But there are also sometimes things that are dying or dead in our life right now, in the here and now. You know, we all have issues. All God's children got issues. We say it, connect here all the time. If you don't think you have an issue, that's your issue. We say it like, that's your issue. You got to say it like that, okay? This guy looks like, that's your issue. You don't think that's that's your issue. Okay? We all got issues. We all got problems. We're all kind of, something's dying or dead. Something's progressively leading towards this death or dying in our life. And so I want to give you three kind of lanes, three different types of death. Uh, and so we can experience resurrection power in these lives. We have to first identify the things that could die in our life. The first one is an emotional death. Write that down, an emotional death. This is where, this is where you're here or you're listening online or you're watching this at some point down the road. And you're, you're stressed out. You're stressed out. You're like, you know the Charlie Brown characters? There was that one, I can't remember his name, but he had that fog around him wherever he went, you know? Stinky, is that his name or something like that? Yeah, I think that's what it was. Like, he doesn't know, but everything around him stinks. The whole world stinks, you know? And so you can't sometimes see it, but, but people, it's just on your face. You're breathing air. You're, you're, you're sucking air. You're taking up space. But you have not clearly encountered the grace of God. You, have an, you don't have that life inside of you. There's an overwhelming, oppressive kind of feeling or air around you. You feel the weight of the world. You don't sleep well anymore. You know, maybe it's because something that was secure in your life is suddenly taken away, and before the physical pain of it hits you, there was an emotional pain from it that hits you. This happens a lot with men. Men, uh, they have like a financial difficulty. In fact, sometimes when I'm preparing messages like this, I, I get pictures and illustrations and scriptures and tie them all up and stuff like that. But a lot of times I see a person. And one of the things that I was taught and one of the things I teach other people to communicate is don't talk to an audience. Talk to one person and then you'll talk to an audience. And I saw a person when I was preparing this message. I saw a man who was struggling with some serious and significant financial pressure. And what he was trying to do is... And just kind of let everybody know around him, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And, and secure his family and secure the different people in his life. But he didn't feel that way inside. He wasn't secure inside. There was something that was dying because he had a dream of what was supposed to happen and it didn't happen. And, and, and it's, it, there's an emotional death. And I want you to know, sir, if you're listening, if you're listening online, I want, if you're here and you're listening, I want you to know that God sees that thing that is dying or dead. And he holds the keys to that. And he's praying for you. Jesus is interceding for you. I want you to know I'm praying for you. That's what this message is here to address. Whatever is dead or dying in your life, emotionally or otherwise. Here's the next death that can take place in our life. A different type of death is a relational death. A relational death. Something has gone array, awry. Some kind of separation or divide has taken place in your life. Maybe uh, you've gone through a significant conflict and you don't know how to fix the problem. You're on the outs with someone. There's hurt and there's, there's damage and you don't know how to control the damage. There is no damage control for this. And as a result, there's this breach and there's this barrier and there's this wall and you don't know how to, you don't know how to bridge the gap. Maybe it's a, you lost someone that you loved. Maybe there's somebody you're separated from now. Maybe there was a divorce. People who go through relational pain, 
when they're experiencing it, it's like it's in them, it's on them, it's all around them. You wake up in the night, it's the first thing they're thinking about, it's the first thing that surfaces to the forefront of their mind is this relational pain. And they would gladly trade the relational pain for physical pain. Most people who are experiencing relational pain would, would confess, would profess that I'll trade this in for something physical because it's so bad, the relational pain. There's different types of death or dying. Here's the third one. The third one is this. And this is the one that's kind of, I believe, dear to the heart of God. And I think it should be uh, part of the heartbeat of a local church. And that is a spiritual death. A lot of times people don't realize how important this particular area is. In fact, it's, it's connected to everything else. You are created a tripart being. You have a mind. You have a body. But those weren't the only things that were meant to be alive. You have a spirit. But that is, has to be quickened by or made alive by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And so sometimes we are maybe connected to God at one time, but we are, we are, we are distant. We're not divorced. Some cases, we never connected with God in the first place because we've never invited him in. We're all created by God, but we have to choose to be a child of God. We never came to that place in our lives, and there's this spiritual death. There's this spiritual divide that's happening in our life. And I know some people who are now dead but are very much alive. And I know some people who are alive but are very much dead. In other words, let me say it like this. You know, I saw this movie um, you, you've probably seen it a long time ago, but The Sixth Sense. And there's this little kid in the movie, and he had this one line that everybody knows, I see dead people. It's kind of spooky, you know what I mean? Oh, you know? And, and, and I've had the uh, responsibility, uh, obligation at times to do funerals in, 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 in my field of work, let's just say. And in my field of work, I'll be sitting in a, I'll be standing in a funeral, and a coffin will be in front of me. And though I cannot see the dead person that's in front of me, because in some cases the coffin is closed, I can see dead people in the room. In other words, I can, I can I'm not saying that, there, you know, it's, just, it's just this, you can feel the difference in a person who is alive spiritually, the way God intended it at least, versus somebody who is not alive spiritually. God wants us to be alive. He, God, Jesus himself came to do what he did. Uh, and, and, and not, you know, about, it wasn't just about physical death. He was very concerned about us being spiritually separated from him. And this type of death, you feel like you're separate from God. You, you might even be a Christ follower, but your prayers, you know, you feel like he's millions of miles away sometimes. And he's so distant. And you might call yourself a Christian, but you're not encountering God. You're informed about God. There's a tradition about God. God's just more or less a Bible on a shelf or a Jesus picture on the wall. You're not actually experiencing him. God wants you to not just be informed by him, but interact with him on a regular basis. I don't even want to say routine because it will be misapplied and misunderstood. But some of us have had bad church experience. And as a result... We've and, and I understand that, and I apologize for that. You might even be here today going, I'm going to give it another shot. My expectations are about this low. And then a lot of times people go to church, and, we, and churches meet their expectations, and that's, it hurts the situation. As a result, we have thousands upon thousands, maybe even millions in America of cynical Christians. They didn't want to be that way. They just became that way, jaded by a misrepresentation of Jesus. It was really a poor representation by man representing God. And, and what happens is because man represents God wrong, our view of God will determine our relationship with God. 
And so God wants to repair that. And that's why he died and rose, was to resurrect those things that are dying and dead in your life. And that can be a relationship with God as well. Can I have an amen out there? But this spiritual death, it's, it's the most critical because your spirit lives forever. And, in this, and it's the death that costs the most because it's eternal as well. So here's some hope for you. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Let me give you kind of the transition to what the positive side of this whole thing is and what the resurrection does. It says this in verse 11. And if the spirit who raised uh, Jesus from the dead is living in you, big if, two-letter word with a lot of power to it. If you have that spirit living in you, that means you might not. You can, though. It's your choice. The Bible is saying this, that if that spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. This, what this is saying is the same power, energy, that it took to raise Christ from the dead when he died, that same power or energy is available to you to raise back to life whatever is dead or dying in your life. That's the resurrection story. Can I have an amen? It's not just to celebrate what happened 2,000 years ago, but to realize that God doesn't want you just to experience or uh, to look back at something that happened, but experience something that can happen in you today. Because that same spirit is available because of what happened then. It can happen now for you. Yeah. Look in Romans 8.11 in the paraphrase. The message translation says it like this. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus. What happened with Jesus? Jesus got up. That means you can get up. Jesus got up. That means you can get up. Whatever, maybe your emotional, you know, there's emotional death or there's some kind of dying that took place in your life. Maybe your dream, you know, was gone. Now it can live again. Maybe your emotions can live again. Maybe your prayer life can live again. I'm, by the way, I'm not just preaching. I'm telling the truth. That's what the Bible says here, okay? It will bring you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, so you can see this organic, relational thing, and he does, and surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from the dead life. Dead life. What does that mean? It's like an oxymoron. Dead life. Like jumbo shrimp. It's not supposed to be. Those two things, they're not supposed to go together. That's the point. Jesus is trying to say, you can be alive but dead, but I did what I did so you can just be alive forevermore in every way in your life. With his spirit in you, your body will be as alive as Christ. So the best way to celebrate Easter is have a personal resurrection for yourself. Here's one more verse I love from when I was a boy. John chapter 14, verse 19. There was this great hint, old hymn we used to sing, Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives, I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. That, that's, anybody ever heard that song before? Raise your hand, a few of you. Okay, so John 14, 19. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And this is... Um, this is right after the foot washing. It's before his death, right around the communion supper time. And he says this to them. I, I uh, a little while longer, and the world will see me no more. Why? He's telling them, because I'm going to die. Now, they didn't pay attention. They didn't get it. And then he says, but you're going to see me. Why? Because he's going to rise. But this next part, he says, and this is for you, and this is for me. Because I live, though, guys, you're going to live also. You can if you accept that. What I did for you is for you. Can I have an amen? So because he lives, you don't have to be lonely. Because he lives, you don't have to just feel that disconnect anymore. You can be connected, but you have to want it. So I want to give you some practical and inspirational things to help you want it, but also inspire you and motivate you to actually go after it. Amen? 
So why is the resurrection important to you? Why is it important to me? Here's the first point. He didn't come out, if he didn't come out of the grave, you and I can't come out of our grave. If he didn't come out of the grave, you and I can't come out of our grave. I heard a story about a man who was at work and he, did, he forgot his bike and so he couldn't get home as quickly as he wanted to. So he decided to take a shortcut. On his shortcut, he decides to go through a cemetery. How many know when you're going through a cemetery, it's a bad idea, okay? It's, it's approaching dark. And so he goes through the cemetery to get home quicker and foolishly, he falls into an empty grave. He get, falls in this empty grave. It's pretty deep, and he's probably pretty short because he can't get out. And so he's scrapping and scraping, and he's jumping, and he's trying to, you know, he, he just didn't do any plyometrics. He needs to know how to jump, okay? No hops. And so as he eventually gives up. He's stuck, and he's crying out, forget it. It's not going to work. So he's just sad, and he goes over, and he sits in the corner, and he plops his chin into his hands, and he decides, I'm just going to wait until somebody comes along or until daylight. Well, a few minutes later, his co-worker, equally stupid, decides to take a shortcut through the cemetery. How many know he fell in the same grave? He's pretty short as well, or he has no hops. I don't know, but he can't get out of the grave either. So he's scrapping and scraping, and he's jumping, and he's hollering, and it doesn't work, and he's just exhausted himself. He gives up, and he goes and sits in the opposite corner in the dark. It gets really, 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 really dark, and... And it's kind of scary, and you can hear the music in the background, kind of creepy crawlers everywhere. And all of a sudden, out of the darkness, a voice from the other side of the grave says, You can't get out of here no matter what you do. <laughs> but he did once he heard that. That boy hopped out of that grave. And I want you to know something, that 2,000 years ago when Jesus went into the grave, Satan was laughing and convinced that he could keep him in the grave. And he thought he could never get out. And he shouted from, the, from, the, from hell itself and said, you can't get out no matter what you do. But he did. Come on, somebody. Jesus did get out of the grave. And that motivates me. And that motivates you. It gives me the motivation and the inspiration for the perspiration to do what God called us to do. It's no corpse that will ever motivate anyone. And so though there could be all kinds of accusations about whether the resurrection is true or whether it isn't, the greatest revolution of all time took place, known as Christianity, that has flooded the earth for centuries because of not a corpse not a corpse did that, but a risen Christ did that. Peter, who couldn't stand up to a small girl and other people, began to preach to thousands post-resurrection and gave his life. Doubting Thomas, come on, doubting Thomas, post-resurrection, had no more doubts, went to India, preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, died for his faith, not for a corpse, but for a risen Christ. Every single disciple was martyred for their faith, saved. They were either crucified, crucified, upside down, or stoned. Not because of a corpse, but because of a risen Christ. They could not help talking about what they had both seen and heard. People are not motivated by corpses. They are motivated by someone who did what he said he was going to do and came back to the life. And that's what gives you, and that's what can give me the hope that I need when he rose from death to life. It's a picture of what can happen in our life. And when he came back, he came back with a glorified body. I don't know about you, but I can't wait. Some of you ladies, when you get your glorified bodies, I don't know if you translate. No more wrinkles, ladies. No more bad hair days. Oh, the Holy Ghost just came in. All these ladies were like real quiet. All of a sudden, woohoo! Yeah, guys, no more tire around the waist. No more double chins. Okay? 
You really will look good, even though you think you do and you don't. You really will look good. Your wife's trying to tell you, all right? You're, you're gonna, it's going to be different when you, the, the glorified life of Jesus Christ, that glorified body, gives us hope for the future. It's a picture of what is to come in our life. And even if it doesn't all get worked out here, you can live an overcoming life here. But you're going to live the perfect life there one day. You, you can actually be able to, you're going to have a voice in heaven. You're going to sing in heaven. Some of you are not just going to make a joyful noise. You're going to sound good. You know what I mean? Some of you don't realize that, but we're going to worship God, and we're going to sing, and we're going to be able to talk, and I believe we'll be able to recognize each other. You know, you get, when you eat, when, how many know we're going to be food in heaven? Because Jesus, when he came to earth in his resurrected body, post-resurrection, he ate. Praise God. We get to eat. Some of you don't realize that the best meal that you've had on the earth came from a cursed ground. One day you're going to eat with no curse involved at all. So the best meal is yet to come. You're going to be sitting at the marriage supper of the Lamb eating fat-free everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's going to be good. It's going to be better than Chick-fil-A, Mike. <laughs> oh, you didn't like that. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> It's good stuff. But people have been trying to just discredit the resurrection forever. But you know what? They don't understand. They don't understand the reality of what God has said about it. Everybody, listen, in this room is one day going to leave this life. But we, need, we can leave this life with hope. Everybody is one day going to die. Pastor, could you be more positive? I'm positive. Everybody is going to die. Hebrews tells us it's appointed unto every man to die. But why is it that only on a funeral that we'll confront the, the subject of death instead of confronting it through the resurrection of Jesus Christ? It wasn't long ago, and even in this last service, there was somebody here that was wrestling with a serious, serious illness. But it wasn't long ago, I was praying for a friend. And he had stage four cancer. And I love this guy. I love this guy. And I remember asking him, like, what's your greatest fear? What's your greatest fear? And, of course, you know, this whole subject, you, we dance around it all the time. But, you know, uh, sometimes I, I got to go front row with these things. And I'm talking to him, and he says, you know, I'm really afraid of getting dead. But I'm more afraid of being dead. In other words, it's when time runs out on the clock, not over time. The finality of it, Pastor Derek, is what scares me the most. And see, what Jesus did when he died and came back to life he made sure that death no longer has the last word. I don't know if you're tracking what I'm saying. In other words, you can, it's okay and understandable that you'd be afraid of getting dead, but you no longer have to fear being dead when you invite Jesus Christ into your life. And so on that day, I was able to, just downstairs here, I remember him, you know, no promises that you might be healed in this life because I can't control that, but I'm going to pray and believe for that. But I can promise you this, I can promise you this, that if you will invite Jesus Christ into your life to be your Savior, but also your Lord, you, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And he bowed his knee. And it wasn't long after that, you know, that he went home to be with the Lord. And I can tell you that though he's dead, he is very alive. And many people need that kind of hope in this world. And Jesus provided that hope for you and for me. Do you have that kind of confidence today as you sit here today? And if you don't, let me give you a transition to, to what Jesus would tell us. Because a lot of times we look at the journey of Jesus to Golgotha, but we don't know that he made a stop in Gethsemane. Here's your second point. Write this down. If, he, if you can die to you, he can live through you. If you can die to you, he can live through you. There's a powerful principle in here that Jesus models for us. Yes, he died on the cross. Yes, he came out of the tomb. But he experienced a different type of death before he experienced a physical death. 
He gave up his life. He surrendered his life even before he got on the cross. Often your breakthrough is right before your breakdown. Often you are fourth in inches from a transformational touchdown, but you have to give yourself up and over to God. And many people won't. Many people will not relinquish control to God. But he willingly, Jesus, chose to die to himself before he died physically. In John chapter 12, the the advantages and the benefits are clear. It says, I tell you for certain that a grain of wheat that falls on the ground will never be more than one grain unless it dies. But if it dies, everybody say, if it dies. It's a big if here. In other words, it will produce lots of wheat. Now, here's the application right in this verse. If you love your life, you're going to lose it ultimately, eventually. Everything you have, you can't take it with you. There are no hearses following us to heaven. But if you'll give it up in this life willingly, you will be given eternal life. And by the way, eternal life starts not when you die, but it starts now. When you invite Jesus into your life, surrender your life to God, eternity is, is when you come into relationship with God and it goes on forever. God wants to be a part of your life now and forever. But the will, the will is like a muscle. It's the most powerful muscle in your body and it can make or break you. Because sometimes man in his stubbornness will resist God right to the very end. And so sometimes we're not willing to die or surrender or our wants or our plans or our preferences in order to experience what he knows we really want and really need. And so sometimes to get through and to have God work through you, you have to die to you in the process. And Jesus did that. And he said, Father, if it's your will, take this cup from me. And then after the wrestling match was over, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's what you and I have to do. And so on Easter, to experience the resurrection power, the same power and energy that raised Christ from the dead, whatever is dead or dying in you, for that to come back to life, something in you has to die. You have to die to yourself. So what I want to do is I want you to just, we're gonna, I'm going to give you that last point, and we're going to end with a bang. But I want to pray for people right here in this room right now. I want you to just close your eyes for a minute and just be still. And honor, please, the person to your right or to your left, because some people are really checked in, and some people might be tuned out. But just for those people who are really plugged in right now, Everybody that's closing your eyes, would you look at your own heart and examine your own heart? Really, that's why we close our eyes for the most part. It doesn't make us more spiritual. It just helps us connect with what God would want to say to us. Many will not surrender. Many will not. They feel like they're safe and sound on their own, navigating without him. But ultimately, sir, ma'am, boy or girl, I believe your ship will crash. Ultimately, you'll come to an end where you realize you need a savior, where you realize you need to surrender your life to God. It's the secret. Jesus modeled it for us. In Matthew chapter 7, the Bible tells us that anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds his house on a solid rock. Is your house, your spiritual house, your life built on a solid foundation? Is it built on relationship and faith with Jesus Christ? That's what Easter is all about. It's about making sure that your foundation is secure. Your faith will lead to your faithfulness. Your faith will will release whatever is dead or dying in your life and the spirit, the living God can come into your life and resurrect whatever that is. But you have to surrender to him today. And if he's knocking on the door of your heart, you, you, only you, only you can open that door because the handle's on the inside. And if you know he's speaking to you today, I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to embarrass you. None of that sort of thing. But right there in your seat, I want to pray for you. 
right where you are. If you know he's speaking to you and you want to surrender your life to Christ today before you leave and not go another Easter without that happening, I want you to raise your hand good and high, boldly, and just say, that's me. Pray for me. God bless you all over the room. Good and high. Don't miss it. This is your opportunity. God sees your hand and he sees your heart by your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. T just taking another moment. If anybody else wants to get on it, God bless you. There's many people all in the room. Anybody listening online or watching online, you go ahead and respond to this now. There's no distance in prayer. You can put your hands down. God bless you. That's awesome. That's all. Thank you for your courage. Church and everybody that just raised your hand, would you pray this prayer with me? This prayer won't save you. Believe it in your heart. will say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you today. Of my own free will, I surrender my will to you as Savior and Lord. Come into my heart. Change me and make me new. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap for those people who made that decision. Let's not minimize that or marginalize that. That's so good, so good, so good. Listen, listen, fill this next blank in, okay, and then I want you to pay attention. We're going to have church here. This next blank is this. It may feel like Friday in your life, but Sunday's coming. See, I want, I want to motivate you. I want to inspire you before you leave today because you may say, I just made a decision. But you know what? You make right decisions and right feelings follow. Some of you just made that decision. You were in your Friday, but now your Sunday's coming because Jesus is alive. And he can be alive in you. Amen? I remember hearing a good preacher one time, and he used this line, and it just affected me. It was my professor in college, and he said, you know what? It may be Friday, but Sunday's coming. And he got up and began to preach. And I, I kind of wrote something that kind of re remembered, maybe remember what it was like back then. And so I want you to kind of agree with me. We're going to have a little church, get a little Pentecostal here, okay? But let me go back to the story of what happened on Friday all the way to Sunday, okay? It said, this is what, this is what I want to say to you. It's Friday. Peter's asleep. Judas is betraying, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday, Pilate is struggling, and the council is conspiring, and the crowd is vilifying, but you know what? Sunday's coming. It's Friday, and the disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd, and Mary's crying, and Peter's denying. What's going to come? Sunday's coming. It's Friday, and the Romans beat my Jesus, and they mocked him and insulted him, and they crowned him with thorns, but they didn't know. It's Friday, and we see Jesus on the road to Calvary. His blood is dripping, and his body is stumbling. It's Friday, and the world is winning. People are sinning, and the devil is grinning. But it's Friday, and the soldiers nailed my Savior's hands to the cross and his feet to that tree. And they raised him up between two criminals for the whole world to see. But they didn't know. Sunday's coming. It's Friday, and the disciples are doubting what has happened to their king, and the Pharisees are celebrating their schemes have been achieved, but they don't know. It's Friday, and he's hanging on the cross, feeling forsaken by his father, left alone and dying, seemingly no one to save him, but Jesus didn't even know. Sunday's coming. It's Friday, and, he's, and he's, the earth trembles, and the sky grows dark, and my king gives up his spirit. Hope is lost. Death has seemingly won. Sin has conquered. Satan was laughing and Jesus was buried. The soldiers stand guard and a rock is rolled into place to seal that my Savior is dead forevermore. But they didn't know Sunday's coming. I want you to stand to your feet because here's what happens here on this glorious day. But on the third day, Sunday was finally here. That first Easter did appear. Years ago.
on that glorious day. The veil torn 60 feet high from top to bottom, and God and man were no longer separated. It split time, and when the angel of the Lord swooped down from heaven and broke the seal and rolled the stone away, everything on that day changed. And then that angel sat up on top of that stone, and, and death tried to defy him, but no longer could it be. He sat on the stone and said, I try to, take this, try to take this away from me. In those moments, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And the Bible says that a hundred million voices began to sing, worthy is the lamb who was slain, worthy to receive glory and power and praise forevermore. And then they came to a tomb. And people came from all around and said, where is this Jesus? Why is the tomb empty? And the angel spoke from the top of that rock and he said, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is no longer here for he is risen. He is alive. Jesus is my champion and I challenge you to make Jesus your champion as well. Jesus is the only one who can resurrect whatever is dead in our lives. And so listen, if you're still in your Friday today and it's still keeping you down, if you look to the cross, you will be encouraged. You'll see that Jesus is no longer on the cross. You will see and understand that Jesus is no longer in the grave. You will see that he overcame hell forevermore. And you look at that and you see that because he lives, you can face every tomorrow. I want you to begin to give God the biggest praise because he is our champion. The power of sin is broken. Jesus overcame it all. He has won our freedom. Jesus paid it all.